So today we're going to talk about porn. But first, I want to hear a little bit more about your background, what you're into right now, what you're doing right now. And I also like to ask people like if they have a fun party trick. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, if you covered it, I'm Selena. I'm a queer relationship therapist and sexologist. Um, I'm currently studying my master's to also become a psychosexual therapist. Um, I'm based in Wollongong, Sydney, Australia, which is traditionally known as Darwell land. Um, my background, I, I love love in all its forms. I think it's incredibly healing and connecting and empowering. And that drives a lot of my work and my philosophy to therapy and to life, really. Um, I love normalizing conversations around pleasure and uh, supporting individuals um relationships to increase the capacity for pleasure you know whether that's through communication skills or working through anxiousness or simply just the struggles of being a human in yeah. 2022 yeah. <laughs> um my go-to party trick um i think that would be juggling oh wow. uh, <laughs> yeah through, like, i think like through each of our lockdowns i took it up to keep busy and I'm still not super consistent with it. Still not super great, but it's nice to whip it out every now and then. And yeah. it impresses a few people. <laughs> what do you like to juggle? I just have a juggling ball set at the moment. I haven't leveled up to anything else, but I will get there eventually. <laughs> a very unique hobby. So yeah. very cool. <laughs> okay. So what is your opinion about porn and how does it impact our sex lives? Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, where do I start? Um, so porn gives us a shortcut to all the feel good hormones that we normally have to work very hard for with our partners. Um, it stimulates our reward systems and our brain's pleasure centers, you know, like so intensely with, um, a huge dose of our desire for intimacy and connection and, feeling aroused or condensed in a five minute video. Mm. Um, so the sheer intensity of it is, I think why there's also been a number of comparisons of like porn to drug addiction in the brain, you know, because um, we do keep going back to it and the unnaturally strong doses of reward that it creates mm -hmm. um, also creates uh, unnaturally strong degrees of habituation and desensitization so it also just continues to escalate mm -hmm. um, in terms of how it impacts our sex lives you know so research also shows that um, our brains experience greater arousal to novel or new sexual visuals versus more familiar content you mm -hmm. know and like these this reason alone is kind of makes it starts to make it really clear why folks um, especially penis owners can experience uh, arousal or orgasm difficulties you know so it's no wonder that in our fast-paced society that we're 10 minutes into sex and we're getting bored or distracted because when we watch porn and we start to lose arousal or interest we can just fast forward or we can click to another video and oh, we can't yeah. do that in real life that's so true yeah so our brains get lazy at building and responding to organic arousal mm -hmm. um my go-to stats in therapy is that you know porn is also associated with um orgasm difficulties but also lower libido um decreased enjoyment of partnered sex and sexual intimacy mm -hmm. and even 
less sexual and relationship satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is huge because porn is so accessible. It's so anonymous and it has endless variety, mm-hmm. which is kind of the exact opposite of partnered sex, which okay. is vulnerable yeah. and can feel like a lot of work. And um, let's be real, can become monotonous at times, you know? So we opt for porn because it's comfortable or because it's easy and the effortless option. Mm-hmm. And as a result, our sex lives can suffer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I read this study and I wish I could find it exactly and maybe I will and link it somewhere. But yeah. it was something about like Gen Zers or like millennial penis owners having more ED as they get older. And they think it's because of the digital aspect that they grew up with and they grew up with so much porn at their fingertips. Yeah, I think the stats are like, it's jumped within the last 10 years that since porn porn streaming sites have been introduced, it's jumped to about like 30 or 35% of like that um, psychological erectile dysfunction versus um, the more age-related kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And which is a huge jump for like like young penis owners, Mm -hmm. which I think before porn streaming sites were only about like 5%. Wow. Um, That's huge. Yeah. Wow. You think about like porno mags, you know, it's just a different, completely different experience. Like you can't fast forward. Like you're saying, Mm -hmm. when you said that, that really clicked for me because as people consuming content so fast paced, we don't have, some people don't even want to watch the foreplay aspects of some, not all, not all porn has a foreplay, but some of them do, and most of us will skip through it. I mean, I'm generalizing, but that is so true. That is so true. Yeah. And I think it's a similar aspect with like how we consume social media or TV or movies as well. You know, we're just like cons- like very mindlessly consuming and also not really paying attention. You know, yeah. often we're like on our phones while we're watching a movie um, yeah. totally. and while we're watching porn, it's just, we're kind of tuning out as well or tuning out of our minds. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. so true. So we talked about a lot of cons. Are there any (laughs) pros to porn? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there is so much potential and value in porn as an explorative and sensual aid. You know, I even I do recommend it as a form of research for clients who don't know what they enjoy or have no idea where to start. Um, And I think especially the new and up and coming forms of like ethical porn that are coming out, like audio erotica or um, apps like Dipsy and Quinn, um, they are like changing the game for pleasure and especially for female pleasure as well. So they're creating space for um, imagination and fantasy and bringing back that organic arousal mm-hmm. that visual porn kind of takes away from us. Mm-hmm. Um, but through looking at porn through the lens of curiosity and excitement or as a means of connecting with your partner can Mm -hmm. be so great as long as you're consuming mindfully Mm -hmm. you know so it's an important um opportunity to learn more about your own preferences your partner's preferences and that can actually improve sexual performance and your sexual experience as well Mm -hmm. yeah and when you say that we're not taught mindfulness from a young age so when people explore porn there is no way that they're exploring it mindfully to begin with and because we don't explore anything mindfully and so we (laughs) how to do it (laughs) yeah exactly wow yeah so 
queerness in porn. I have some questions that go beyond this for you, but what, what are your general thoughts and feelings about it? Oh my God, um, so many thoughts, so many feelings. Um, I think the first one that always comes to mind for me is that I, queer sex has become so fetishized or objectified or like so stereotyped, you know? And I think because of our collectively poor sex education as well we're all flying blind um and having to rely on porn to educate us mm -hmm. um and i think that's also like kind of a unspoken consequence of historic uh institutional systemic discrimination as well mm -hmm. um but yeah porn has i think created this very narrow view of what queer sex looks like and how it should go um you know for example women having sex with women is all about scissoring mm -hmm. and there's a huge objectification element in porn, you know, so, um, especially with like trans folks, mm -hmm. you know, that you, there's novelties and it's incredibly invalidating. Mm -hmm. um, and it can be difficult to kind of separate the, the male gaze in mm -hmm. porn from mm -hmm. the way you view yourself or the way that you view your partners. Mm -hmm. um, and I think because we also have a learned association um of masculinity with dominance and femininity with submissiveness mm -hmm. you know it can be confronting or confusing for anyone under the queer flag mm -hmm. to step into any of those roles because it can feel like you're committing to a specific gender role or mm -hmm. expectation mm -hmm. that may not necessarily align with what you identify with mm -hmm. um, in your day-to-day -day life mm -hmm. um so I think there's a lot of internal work and unpacking that we all kind of have to do to feel comfortable and aligned with our normal self and sexual self. Right. So I know a lot of women who, cis women who identify as straight, who watch mm -hmm. a lot of lesbian porn. Yeah. And yeah. I think that is probably the porn that they mostly watch. I mean, I'm definitely generalizing, but in my experience with yeah. All, the, all the cis females I know in my life, that is their go-to. Mm. Why do you think that is? I, that's a great question. And I think it comes back to like the male gaze that, you know, that refers to just like the over-sexualization and objectification of women. Um, it views women through the lens of what they can do for men. Um, and I think because it's so, it views women through this beautiful lens of um, they're having this beautiful moment together. Mm -hmm. And I think it, um, oh, I lost my train of thought a little bit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I actually um, thought like, oh, well, this kind of, this interest might connotate the spectrum that, that is sexuality mm -hmm. and that we're not so black and white. Like you identify as a straight person, but you find female pleasure very enticing, but I guess that is like what kind of female pleasure you are experiencing and you are, you are visually digesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause when you think about, um, uh, porn that has women having sex with women at the core of it, it's focused on female pleasure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think with traditional, uh, heterosexual porn, you know, it's generally focused on the man, um, mm -hmm. and the pleasure and, um, having an orgasm and um, it's very not it's very exclusive of the female's pleasure um, 
So I think that's a big element of, yeah, women uh, leaning more towards queer sex. Yeah. And I was thinking about how you said when we, when people are growing and they turn to porn for like their sex education, I mean, that is, it is their sex education because the sex education typically in school doesn't talk about individuals interacting with other individuals. It talks about anatomy, STDs, and that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it doesn't talk about any, and then, and then puberty, but like for the most part, it's not about interacting with someone else or the bad things that happen if you interact with someone else. Um, so, and most people know that's just not the case. I mean, that's not true for, depending on where you learn it from, but yeah, I mean, I remember, I think the first porn I was ever ex exposed to was a fetish porn that was a two girls, one cup. I don't know if that was a thing in Australia, yeah. but it was like, <laughs> I was like 12 when someone sent it to me and I just couldn't even understand it. Like my brain just couldn't even understand it. Um, and then that's like, that was my lead into porn. So yeah. I was, I was 11 or 12. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, it, I think receiving that kind of intense messaging when you're so young has like such a lasting impact as well. Um, and I think the lack of inclusive or, um, accurate pleasure centered sex mm -hmm. education, you know, and I think it generally means that two questions come up in our minds and it's like why don't I look like that mm -hmm. or why doesn't my partner look like that right right um, you know in the former obviously goes inwards you know and it negatively impacts self-esteem and self-image yeah. you know and a common stat I also give is that like labiaplasty yeah. which is like labia removal surgery has increased I think five times in wow. the last 10 years since porn has been introduced like um, wow. online porn has been introduced yeah um and the latter question, why doesn't my partner look like that? Um, obviously pushes it onto our partners, you know? So it's like, it's their fault, I'm not turned on. It's their responsibility to get me going. Mm -hmm. um, and I think both questions become a sort of breeding ground for performance anxiety and resentment and relationship issues down the track as well. Yeah, um, yeah. And you think about how deep rooted that is. Like we can tell ourselves that we know every vulva looks different, like a face. And we yeah. can tell ourselves that there's just a dynamic way to have sex that doesn't look like just the way porn is. However, yeah. because it's like exposed to us so deep and for so long, we can tell ourselves that, but we can still feel insecurities when interacting sexually. And it is such a shame that like porn has had such a power to negatively affect self-esteem in that way um and even even for people who don't regularly watch porn even for people who've seen five little clips of porn their entire life are like oh I don't look like that so I'm not desirable or with someone that's like well you don't look like that so I I don't think I'm not attracted to this um it is really such a shame do you think it's changing at all I think so slowly. Um, like I had mentioned, like the more um, alternative um, ethical porn that has been popping up, you know, and different variations of porn, you know? So I think there is, we are becoming a bit more aware of the, the cons of porn, you know, the unrealistic nature, the performative aspects of it. Um, and I think even just seeing it in my therapy room, I'm coming, I'm, a lot of my clients are already coming to me already aware of the impacts of porn. 
mm. you know, how it's negatively impacted their lives. And I'm having that conversation even just my, in my day-to-day life mm-hmm. where it's becoming a lot more common knowledge. Um, and I think in our j- younger generations as well, um, that porn or traditional visual porn, online porn just isn't cutting it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, we're also turning to a lot more ethical elements as well in just like our general life you know being more ethical when it comes to sustainability or um our morals and things like that and I think porn is slowly being included in that as well yeah do you think that porn because I I try to try to tie everything (laughs) that we experience sexually to communication and do you think that there's any link between developing communication skills and Mm. porn or what we learn from porn in terms of communication? Yeah, yeah, ah, that's such a good question. Um, I think, of course, really. Yeah, right. You know, I think we all know that traditional porn really fails us by not modeling good, healthy communication in the sexual space. Um, and um, I keep coming back to this idea of like the sexual scripts that porn gives us, you know, because that's an important factor in how we learn to do things, you know, which is by watching other people do things. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's so much space for porn to introduce, you know, consent conversations and to model how we can make asking for consent feel sexy, you know, yeah. less so the strict um, explicitly asking or getting a contract going, mm-hmm. but um, more so being able to say to your partner, I'd love to do X, Y, Z, you know, to, can I do that? How badly do you want me to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, so not only, I guess, does it normalize checking in with your partner, caring about their experience, mm-hmm. it also teaches you that you're allowed to ask for what you want during sex, mm-hmm. you know, and it gives you the vocabulary to do so. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big gap um, in yeah traditional porn. Right. So what are some like mindful ways thinking about this to interact with porn if someone is choosing to do so like let's say someone is watching this and they're like oh but I enjoy porn but now I'm questioning it how can they interact with it in a healthy way Hmm. I think just at first questioning yourself your, your motivations for porn you know reflecting on how has it affected the way that you view bodies or the way you view yourself or the way that you view sex you know, how has it impacted um, your expectations of how sex should be? Um, being quite conscious around what are you choosing or what are you avoiding each time that you opt for porn? Mm-hmm. You know, are you taking the easy option, the um, convenient option mm-hmm. versus doing the work of um, doing some mindful masturbation or just, you know, taking some time to fantasize, you know, just with your mind, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. you know, being a lot more aware of what you want from your sex life you know and asking yourself like realistically is porn helping you get there mm-hmm. um yeah and I think just being quite mindful around how much you're consuming it mm-hmm. um I think a common thing I also suggest is like having a bit of a habit tracker on your app and being like because I think once you start paying attention to how much you're using it or how much you're relying on it um it can be confronting um mm-hmm. But I think that's like with most habits that we bring attention to, you realize how much you use it as a crutch mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and you just kind of put blockers as much as you can towards that. So what kind of 
porn sites, ethical porn sites, do you think deserve our attention? Hmm. Um, my go-to is always uh, Belissa. Belissa. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. Oh. I always always blank on this one. Um. So I might need to get back to you on that one. Actually. Wow. Mm-hmm. I um have one thing I do like about Belissa or Belissa or whatever yeah. is that they have couples on there. So you can like follow a couple or subscribe to a couple and it's just a little more relatable. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like I have found it more arousing to like, like that there's so much intentionality there. And then there's like added real life chemistry and a real life dynamic and real life care that it's not just an activity. It's so much more than that. So I do enjoy that about that app. I mean that, I guess, um, website and then I know that you there's a paid there's a free option and a paid option which is chill um (laughs) what about OnlyFans what do you think about OnlyFans I I do rate it in the sense of of course um you know often it's vulva owners kind of like taking control of their bodies and ownership and kind of um you know creating uh an avenue for money really um and I think that's wonderful in that respect um but I in terms of creating it as a space for ethical porn, I think there is limitations in the respect that, um, I, I think as in the respect of any streaming site, you know, that there are kind of um, implications when you post things um, or rules about when how you can post things. Mm-hmm. Um, like just with, uh, what's it called? The Pornhub. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can kind of, there's space for it to be, you know, downloaded or stolen or something like that. Right, right, yeah. right. And I think... Another thing I would just that just popped into my head is just to make it super clear that like no one here is villainizing porn stars like just porn stars are actors like they are doing their job they are getting paid to do a job and that is to act out a sex scene. And it's just like how, for some reason, the first person that came into my head was Chris Pratt is paid to be in Marvel <laughs> movies. It's the same yeah. way that porn stars are paid to be in porn. So it's, it's a job and it's a legitimate job, but they're literally doing a job. They're not, yeah. they're not like, just like movies don't enact real life experiences, porn doesn't really either. Yeah. So that, that I wanted to put that in there because <laughs> I know we're both sex positive and pro sex work um and that it's legitimate just just because porn just like you know sometimes on that note movies are damaging to our psyche as well because they give us unrealistic expectations of romance and relationships oh yes oh it's literally the same thing (laughs) and the amount of unpacking that so many of us don't even realize we have to do about that in Mm. relationship dynamics is i think very related to the consumption of of pornography in some ways Yeah, I think we are starting to get a lot, a lot more conscious around it as well. Even things like social media, you know, and um, mm-hmm. the impact of posting like, you know, photoshopped images versus, you know, real images. Um, and I think we're all starting to become a lot more aware of the impacts it has on our mental health, um, but also like self-esteem and the way that we feel about ourselves. Um, and I think, yeah, like porn is one aspect of that coming into it as well. Yeah. Um, but we are starting to get a lot, a lot more critical of yeah. how we consume media or the news or um, being a lot more conscious of the um, other impacts or other factors that come into that message being created. 
Right. And with that awareness comes like a lot of empathy for everyone who's experiencing insecurities or difficulties around mm -hmm. this consumption of like basically sensationalism and then having it reflect on your day-to-day -day or your face or your body or your relationship expectations. Um, and it's just something everyone can relate to on some level or another. Mm. Yeah, and I think the porn aspect is I one that is very, very slowly making its way through, I think. Um, and I think that's just attached to the um, taboo nature of like, you know, just talking about sex in general still, that still exists in our culture. Um, but it is really inspiring and empowering to see it become more of a common knowledge or like, you know, more general conversation, mm -hmm. thinking about like, okay, this thing isn't having a good impact on many people. Yeah. Um, what are we going to do about it? What steps can we do to change it for mm -hmm. better? Mm -hmm. And it's important to remember that because I think when you're in a bubble of people who care, you forget that there's other people who just cannot relate and think that nothing's being done. Yeah. So noted. Um, <laughs> final question for you. As a sexologist, sex therapist, what is one of your biggest lessons or realizations to date? It could be like very simple, nothing fancy. I like to like just leave with some wisdom. Hmm. Oh, um, I think the biggest lesson I've been really leaning into lately, especially, um, and it, I think it comes up almost all the time in the therapy room. And I think that's creating space for um, pleasure can actually be really difficult mm. um, and it can feel incredibly inaccessible in the society we live in that rewards busyness and rewards productivity. Um, you know, so while pleasure fuels us, you know, it gives us life and energy and motivation. Mm. It's not necessarily productive by social definitions, you know, so it doesn't make us money. It doesn't gain our social status. Um, it's not a fundamental need like eating, sleeping. Mm -hmm. So people can go their entire lives never having an orgasm or never thinking about what turns them on or off. And in theory, it wouldn't really be an issue, you know? So pleasure has to be a conscious choice. Um, and it can be really difficult to give ourselves permission to choose it. Mm -hmm. um, but with everything happening in the world right now, everything feeling like an absolute shit show. Um, I think that's when it's the, it's more important than ever to kind of lean into pleasure and to find joy in the little things like watching the sunset or having a solo dance party or um, taking the scenic drive home. Yeah. You know? And it's, yeah. it's formed a big part of my work, you know, asking people yeah. if you're, if you chose pleasure today, what would it look like? You yeah. know, how would your life be different? That's my favorite question. Yeah. And on that note, like just noticing that pleasure does not, it's not exclusively sexual. Like yeah. what little way can you choose pleasure today? Literally could be going outside and looking at the moon or yes. reading a book. Like there, it could be so small and it's lit. All of those things also impact, impact your sexual health. So they yeah. work in tandem and it's true. Pleasure isn't always what you expect it to be. Yeah. But yeah. what little ways can you make it easy for yourself? Mm. Yeah. And building your capacity to 
um, access pleasure outside of sex makes it so much easier to access it inside of sex. Yes, it's so true. And when you're functioning on a frequency of like, I've given myself a lot of pleasure in this day, this week, this month, that you're so much more in tune with yourself and your body that allows you to interact sexually in a more intentional and like magnificent, for lack of a better term, way. (laughs) Exactly. It just gives you so much more energy and space to do so because you are familiar with familiar with what you enjoy or what makes you feel good so you get more you naturally get more curious about what makes you feel good in the sexual sense and a bit more explorative or curious about things yeah and being in this industry I think once I started entering it I realized there's all these like pleasure pioneers or like pleasure activists and I don't think I fully understood what that meant because I was like what are they trying to uh, what does it really mean and it means exactly like what you just said and I think that's why there's so many people involved in this because it's so important to livelihood even though it's not as necessary as eating and drinking and sleeping Um, it's just it's just helps all the other parts yeah It, it makes the world go round (laughs) thank you so much this was so it was so lovely to connect more deeply and like have an intentional conversation and hear all your wisdom because clearly you're very full of it and (laughs) I am excited to talk about more things in the future awesome thank you I appreciate it so much I've loved meeting you and chatting with you as well it's been really great